0: Our first scripture reading this morning is from the ninth chapter of the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, found on page 161 in the New Testament of your pew Bible. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 9, 16 through 23. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting. For an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not for my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I I became as one outside of the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Amen. I'm going to include
1: the uh, scripture lesson, uh, the teaser of which I gave you just a few moments ago, uh, later in the sermon, because I want to do some introductory work before we get to the text. So I'm going to invite you this time to join your hearts with me in prayer. Open our ears so that we can be assured that it is your word we hear. Often it is just the noise in our heads. But your word pierces through that din and brings to us assurance, even the assurance of eternal life, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, this past Monday, in fact it was January 29th, um, there was a single submission to X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, until it was purchased by Elon Musk, formerly known as Profitable. (laughs) This single post was in the past week viewed over 207 million times, with 59,000 reposts. It's beginning to reflect my Monday Musing uh, posts over 155,000 loves with 19,000 comments and an equal number of bookmarks so that people could go back and linger over it again. What inspired this kind of viral reaction? It had nothing to do with Taylor Swift or the Kansas City Chiefs or the 49ers who, by the way, are also in the Super Bowl. It wasn't connected to the upcoming elections or politics at all. It had nothing to do with climate change, the war in the Middle East, or any of the other traditional social influencers. In fact, these numbers were all the more remarkable because the post was made by someone who isn't even human. What brought these amazing numbers? Did you see it? It was a simple question posted by Elmo. Yeah, that Elmo, Sesame Street Elmo, who posted, Elmo is checking in. How's everybody doing? Wow. I can see a couple of you pulled your phones out already to respond to Elmo, good for you. (laughs) Initially, the responses were playful. I'm doing great, Elmo. Or off to the store to buy some balsamic vinegar. But then things shifted and the world began to trauma dump on this poor little Ernest fun-loving, sincere Muppet. The world is burning, Elmo. My life is a mess, Elmo. My family is falling apart and I don't know what to do, Elmo. I can't start my day because I am so discouraged, Elmo. But thanks, Asking. Initially, Elmo attempted to answer every response. (laughs) Elmo loves you, he would write. Or, you'll be okay. Elmo believes in you. Elmo wants you to take care of yourself. But it didn't take too long that the good folks that maintain the social media profiles of Sesame Street realized. They had lanced some sort of boil of neglected sadness. They felt it was responsible for them to tweet out contacts to mental health resources. Now, before you think that I'm going to preach some condescending sermon about how sad it is that people are turning to the Muppets for comfort, I got to let you know, I get it. I'm pretty sure that my week would go way better if I knew that by Friday, I was gonna be having beer with Kermit. Maybe in that little place where Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem play old jazz standards. Oscar the Grouch is the doorman, Grover's the bartender. Yeah, it'd be a good week if I could piece that together. I have to say that I find the Elmo news although disconcerting, somewhat comforting. (laughs) Clearly, it doesn't take much. When a puppet can get people to crack open their hearts and reveal their vulnerability, their sadness, their aching desperation, imagine what a living, listening, patient human being could do. More than one guest on The Old Muppet Show confessed that they were extremely embarrassed because during breaks in the studio, they found themselves walking over and talking to a Muppet that was uh, not with a hand inside of it, just resting on a chair and, and they'd look around to make sure that nobody was watching and quietly walk away. It's emotionally powerful stuff and may explain why so many people, I don't know, stop going to church. It's easier, more respectable to talk to Elmo than it is to pray to God. Or even worse, share our fears and our anxieties and our consternations with other people. Humans are messy, as Brian just pointed out. They gossip, they don't listen. I listened to a guy talk about one of his bosses who was constantly just offering his opinion about things and would never actually listen to his team. And then at one point, the boss stopped and said, what do you think? And the room of the other executives started to offer their opinion. He said, oh, no, no, you think I'm listening? I'm just reloading. Now, on the other hand, listens. He's so dang honest and confesses quickly his own fears. All he asks is the occasional tickle. It does, however, dispel the thoughts that people aren't coming to church because they don't want to believe in fairy tales or fantasy anymore. (laughs) It kind of lays that thing to rest. It does point, however, an expression of our collective discouragement, yes, even our collective fatigue. And for those of us who are still connected to a community of faith, in that collective discouragement, we look out to the rest of the world, and I have to confess there is no shortage of narcissism intertwined with the anxiety. I'm of course referring to the excessive use of superlatives, in particular that we are living in unprecedented times. In fact, we are experiencing an unprecedented use of the word unprecedented. It conveys to it that somehow nothing like this has ever happened to anyone before. It gives us permission for a sense of helplessness, of complete intimidation. These are problems that human spirit has never, ever tried to overcome. I believe that since our unique and special suffering causes us to call out to, I don't know, Elmo like never before, but to suggest that we are experiencing challenges and pains and obstacles that no human has ever overcome grants us a certain permission for our helplessness. It gives us an excuse, yes Brian and I did not talk before this service, to just be tired. If we have any hope to persevere, we would like the indication that maybe someone else has pulled it off, but these are unprecedented times. No one has ever had to live in the rough world in which we live. And to suggest that our pains, our obstacles, our sorrows, our griefs have never, ever been overcome by human capacity allows us the permission to just sit and sometimes complain. What if, however, others have endured? What if others have survived? What if others have come through storms just like ours, then we might have hope. Hope that the God who is faithful to them in their times of trial will be faithful to us to carry us through our skirmishness. To us, the prophet's words come as comfort because these words were proclaimed to a people enduring hardship, and exile, slavery and humiliation, displacement and suffering, isolation, comparatively deeper than our own. These words were penned to the exiles in Babylonia after they had been violently carried away, having seen the slaughter and devastation of their homes or being told of it by their parents and their grandparents, they were feeling helpless, hopeless, forgotten. And to these the prophet proclaimed these words, Isaiah 40, 21 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in. Who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes high and see who created these. Who brings out the host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is discarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When you get yourself into a position where you think your limitations and weaknesses, your obstacles and enemies are the biggest ever, then you certainly have right to anxiety. But if you know others or the stories of others who have endured equal or even greater hardship then there is the possibility that you are going to make it. That's something that the church has to offer that a Muppet just can't give. The stories of those who with the same faithful God have endured and flourished through all of it. It's in our own national story. We, we marvel, those of us who know the feats of World War II that Tom Brokaw called the greatest generation. How did they do it, our parents and our grandparents, and for some of you, your great-grandparents, fresh off the Great Depression, mobilizing and fighting and struggling and winning, how did they do it? I think that they owed much of their courage in no small amount to their own parents and uncles and aunts and older sisters and brothers who endured the great war before them, later known as World War I. It was a generation who could realistically rely upon the song we did it before, we can do it again. And in the texts of our scriptures and in the lives of the saints who have gone before us, in the stories of our own elderly, is the message we have done it before, we can do it again. Why do you say, said the prophet, why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord? The Lord's everlasting. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His knowledge is unsearchable. It is with that kind of certainty that we had the words of the Apostle Paul when he was writing to Corinth that even in the midst of multiple imprisonments, He was able to say he was constantly and perpetually compelled to share the good news of the gospel. I've mentioned it before. You maybe were too tired to listen. But the word that Paul writes when he says, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel, that Greek word that we translate as woe, is actually a wonderful sound. The Greek word is "oi." It's the noise that you make in martial arts when you're going to chop a board. Or you're a weightlifter going for a 200-pound bench press. It's all of the gut pulling forward the energy. It's Paul's proclaiming the gut certainty of God's provision, even in your, in his, in our darkest hours, because God has been there before. Before. And God's people have endured such things, and you know what? Probably even worse. You can, I can make it through this, whatever it is, because we are not lingering alone. We do not wait to see what's going to happen. We do not sit passively anticipating calamity. We wait for God. We wait for the Lord, and so we renew our strength. That's the compelling good news that we need to hear, but that we need to be compelled to proclaim. if I don't tell you about this, that's the word brought to you from the community of faith, from the prophets, from scriptures this morning. It may be true that Elmo loves you, I don't know. It may also be true that Elmo believes in you, could be. I'm pretty confident that Elmo does want you to take care of yourself, but far be it from me to dis Elmo. There's a far greater word, my friends, a word for you, for your neighbors, for the whole world. The Lord is an everlasting God and those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That is the gospel today. feels good to say. Let's stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.